This is AgriPulse Daybreak West for Thursday, February 2nd, brought to you by Rabo AgriFinance. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's headlines. Warm weather tests snowpack. Lawmakers on microplastics. Stabenow draws a line and subcommittees take a bigger role. The snowpack, deepest in decades, confronts warm, dry conditions. The Department of Water Resources monthly snow survey yesterday confirmed January's atmospheric rivers delivered a welcome boost for water supplies. The statewide snowpack sits at 205% of average for this date. It's the deepest in decades. At higher elevations, the snow is cold and not very dense, meaning most of it will not melt anytime soon. But the state has returned to warm, dry weather interrupted by a few small storms over the coming weeks. DWR is unable to predict what the last two months of the wet season will bring. Every day we don't get snow here in February. That percent of average comes down pretty quickly, said DWR engineer David Rizzardo during a press briefing. Now, keep in mind, if it drops to an average snowpack in May, California will likely remain in a drought. Conditions are also lining up for a warmer El Nino pattern next winter. Legislature takes on microplastics and waterways. Lawmakers are considering ways to restrict products that can leach plastics into watersheds. Water, Parks, and Wildlife Chair Rebecca Bauer-Cahan call for bold steps to, quote, protect our children, our pollinators, our environment from the harmful effects of microplastics. She cited a British survey that estimated humans consume one credit card worth of plastic each week. She hopes to counter this by banning the sale of certain cosmetics, detergents, waxes, and polishes. Why this matters? Well, the State Water Board recently certified the world's first environmental laboratory that tests for microplastics in drinking water. Farm groups worry that could bring new regulations and fees, particularly as farmers face pressure to deploy more tarps during fumigations. Lawmakers could eventually add further restrictions on using plastic products in agriculture. We'll have more AgriPulse Daybreak West after this. When you work with Rabo AgriFinance, you get the global knowledge and financial strength of one of the world's largest and most innovative food and ag lenders, tools essential to realizing your aspirations. Discover how an unmatched network of local and sector experts can help you confront agriculture's challenges and seize the opportunities that lie ahead. Learn more and contact us at www.roboag.com. Creating value, connecting vision. Bravo AgriFinance. Welcome back to AgriPulse Daybreak West. Stabenow, leave climate funding alone. As Congress gets ready to start working on a new farm bill, Senate Agriculture Committee Chairwoman Debbie Stabenow is making one thing clear. She won't consider any cuts to the funding she got in the Inflation Reduction Act for climate-related farming practices. 
We'll negotiate on everything, but I'm not interested in any way in rolling back what farmers want on conservation, the Michigan Democrat told reporters after the committee's first Farm Bill hearing of the year yesterday. It's one of those situations that's really a win-win because it's not only about addressing the climate crisis, but farmers want more carbon in the soil because it's healthier soil. Everybody else agrees because they don't want it in the atmosphere. Senate Ag subcommittees take a bigger role. The top Republican on the Senate Ag Committee, John Bozeman of Arkansas, says he expects them to make more use of subcommittees than they have in recent years. That's one of the issues a subcommittee could look into is the concern about Chinese purchases of U.S. farmland, he says. Having subcommittees hold hearings will allow the committee to, quote, cover a lot more ground, he said. As for the issue of foreign-owned farmland, he says he wants to, quote, know how much that truly is affecting the United States. And by the way, the Republican membership of the Senate Ag Committee is not changing this year, but there will be a difference in seating, AgriPulse is told. Senator Mike Braun, he's running for governor in Indiana in 2024. He's leaving the Appropriations Committee this year, which means he doesn't need a waiver to also be on the Ag Committee. And because he doesn't need a waiver, he'll move up in seniority on the Ag Committee. He was dead last in the 117th Congress. Senators support Ag Export Promotion Programs ahead of Farm Bill. Republican and Democratic senators are in strong support of USDA's ag export promotion programs that happened at the Senate Ag hearing yesterday. Lawmakers on both sides of Capitol Hill heralded legislation to double the funding for the Market Access Program, MAP, and Foreign Market Development, FMD, programs. Senators Sherrod Brown of Ohio, Deb Fisher of Nebraska, Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, and Johnny Ernst of Iowa all lauded the program's ability to help farm groups develop and maintain overseas markets for U.S. ag commodities. Ernst trumpeted the reintroduction of the Cultivating Revitalization by Expanding American Agriculture Trade and Exports Act, or CREATE, in the Senate that to double mandatory annual funding of MAP to $40 million and FMD to $69 million. The bill has also been reintroduced in the House. USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agriculture Affairs, Alexis Taylor, a witness at the hearing yesterday, said there is far more demand for participation in MAP and FMD than there is funding. Now, take note, Taylor said she would be interested in working with Klobuchar on efforts to allow farm groups to use funds from the Emerging Markets Program in Cuba as a part of the next farm bill. Cuba, said Taylor, shows a lot of potential for importing more U.S. farm commodities. Congress opened up only MAP funding for use in Cuba in the previous Farm Bill. Oh, by the way, the Farm Bill's horticulture title was also a part of the hearing, although the discussion largely focused on trade issues. Stabenow said she wants to make sure the next Farm Bill improves the ability of fruit and vegetable growers to, quote, manage risk and market their products. Jenny Lester Moffitt, USDA Undersecretary for Marketing and Regulatory Programs, stressed the importance of the department's specialty crop block grant program, which funds research projects and other initiatives to improve the competitiveness of those producers. 
EPA sets conditions for pesticide use. The Environmental Protection Agency has approved label amendments for four pesticides to protect 28 Pacific salmon and steelhead species listed as endangered or threatened. The four pesticides, Romoxanil, Prometrin, and Metolachlor, and 1,3-D, were found by a 2021 National Marine Fishery Service biological opinion to result in unintentional harm or killing individual fish, but did not, quote, jeopardize listed salmon or steelhead species or adversely modify their critical habitats. Now, take note. The Center for Biological Diversity applauded the agency for implementing the measures, but said it would have liked for it to include protections for more than 1,000 other species. Finally, here's today's She Said It. I have yet to see feta on a map. USDA Undersecretary for Trade and Foreign Agriculture Affairs Alexis Taylor yesterday responding to a question by Senator Tina Smith of Minnesota on what USDA is doing to counteract the European Union's campaign to protect the use of cheese names like Asiago and limit them to products from European producers in specific geographical regions. For example, the EU argues that Asiago cheese can only be made in the Asiago Plateau in the Veneto, a region of Italy. Feta cheese, the EU says, should only apply to cheese made in Greece. Well, that's Daybreak West for this Thursday, February 2nd. Brought to you by Robo AgriFinance. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak West, I'm Jeff Daly.